Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Uh, yeah, what's up? Hello and welcome. Welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the place where I show people how to escape the darn rat race using real estate. And all you got to do is you got you to shift your focus. Stop being concerned with making piles of money. Stop doing that and shift your focus and be really concerned with making streams of money. You do that and you're halfway there. You just follow that shift in mindset, back that up with action, and you're the rest of the way there. You're home free. That's your keys to the kingdom, to your freedom. Now, if you haven't gone to epicfastfunding.com yet, you are missing out. Over 150 of though, have filled out an application for funding for your real estate investing business, and over a half a million dollars of business funds have already landed in the bank accounts uh, of, of 11 different people. Not totally, I mean, I mean, not collectively, but uh, $500,000 have been distributed between 11 different people. And 52 of you have been approved, and you're just waiting for your funds, and they're coming. I saw them land in those 11, they're coming to you as well. And 70 of you merely just have to return the phone call that you received. That's all you got to do. Return the phone call and take the next step. You've gone this far, might as well take the take it into the end zone. And if you're just joining us for the very first time, and this is the first time you've heard of Epic Fast Funding, first of all, welcome to the show. Really glad that you're here. And if, if this is the first time you've heard of EpicFastFunding.com, what I did is I joined forces with my buddy, my buddy Eric, and I interviewed him on the show a couple of episodes ago, and, and he's been able to put in place for you unsecured lines of credit for your business. They are 100% FICO score driven. They are stated income loans. Yes, stated income are back. And uh, when approved, minimum funding, $50,000. That's the minimum. The maximum is right around $200,000, but the minimum is $50,000. And, and as long as you follow the simple steps, the, those funds could be in your account in as little as seven days. So it's fast. That's where we get the epic fast funding from. And it's exciting to see y'all getting these funds to, to make business easier for yourself. But don't go and blow it on dumb, dumb stuff, okay? Because it's easy to do when you get a nice infusion of cash. Don't go blow it on dumb stuff. It's, I mean, it's, it's really easy money, actually, as long as you have the FICO score. It's, it's really easy. So, so make sure you don't blow this opportunity. Invest in your business, an aspect of your business that's going to make you money preferably more money than you you put into it, okay? And um, whether, whether, you know, it's financing the the year's worth of, of your marketing pieces, that could be a good place, um, or paying for postage for the year, or or even picking up an income property. Do, do something like that that's gonna give you money back, that's gonna give you a return inside your business. I mean, remember, poor people, they buy liabilities and then they go to work to pay them off. Rich people buy assets, and let their assets pay for their liabilities. Thank you, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki, for that one. I really appreciate that one. Those words right there have made the, the tough decisions in my life not so tough. So with that said, if you have a decent FICO in the high 600s and or higher, uh, you're almost assured, almost assured of getting at least $50,000 and they're unsecured loans at that. So go to epicfastfunding.com and you could have your funds before the next episode of this podcast. Alrighty, I've got a great guest for you today, a new friend of mine out of Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, and happens to be a member of my mastermind group. And I've asked him to, to come and share with you how he's shifted with the market 
And now that seemingly everybody else has shifted, how he's getting the attention of motivated sellers, what he's doing to stand out and how he's getting his deeply discounted properties and getting those properties under contract and converting those into cash for himself. And I'm going to introduce you to him in 30 seconds right after this. Real estate investors, you need to know this. If you do not have a lead capturing website, a recent study reveals that you are invisible to 90% of the people that want to do business with you. We are EpicRealEstateWebsites.com and we have an easy three-step solution for you. Step one, select a design. Step two, choose your domain name. Step three, check out. Boom, you are now online capturing the names, emails, and phone numbers of people that want to do business with you. Go to EpicRealEstateWebsites.com. Act now and your domain name is free. Epic Real Estate Websites. Com. On the phone today, we're joined by Atlanta's own Ken Corsini. Ken, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Matt. You bet. So let's just get started. I mean, I, we, we've known each other for, for a little while, uh, but we just kind of didn't really get to speak a whole lot to each other for, until just recently. And uh, just, I don't know. I mean, I know about you. I know what you do and everything, but I don't really know how you got started. So let's start there. How'd you get started investing in real estate? Okay. Great question. So I, I came out of school, out of college at the University of Georgia back in 1999. I went to work for a large insurance brokerage and uh, actually did software consulting for them. Did that for five years. And I was the guy who just, you know, was looking to get out of the corporate world, trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do that's entrepreneurial, that's on my own? And I really was drawn to real estate. So about 2004, 2003, I was listening and just absorbing, you know, as much information as I could. I know Carlton Sheets back in the day, he's sort of the king of the info product. Yeah. I was listening to his CDs over and over in the car, just getting more excited about real estate. How can I get in to be a real estate investor? Mm -hmm. And so I actually found a company out of Seattle, Washington, that had put together almost like a franchise model where you would... Uh, it was interesting. They, they had put, put together a model where you would actually find a lease purchase tenant up front, mm -hmm. find a home for that lease purchase tenant, and then basically combine them with an investor who would buy that home on their behalf. Got it. So I took out a home equity loan, bought into this franchise model, quit my day job, and did that for about two years. Mm -hmm. So come, what, 2007, the market turned. Things crashed. That company went out of business. You know, you couldn't really expect homes to appreciate in value. The model just sort of fell apart, really. Mm -hmm. But I had enough experience at that point, you know, understanding real estate investors and what they were looking for, that I was off to the races. Mm -hmm. So in 2007, I put together sort of what we call the turnkey model, where we find distressed properties. We fix them up. We put those same tenants in place. And, and at that point, I had pretty good experience putting tenants in place. Mm -hmm. That's who I had worked with before. And I started the renovation company so that we could fix up the distressed properties. And really, since that time, that's been my bread and butter model is the turnkey model where we buy distressed properties, we fix them up, we put tenants in place, and then we sell them to out-of-state investors. Got it. And so here we are in 2015, and that still comprises a good chunk of my business, probably half of my business. The mm -hmm. other half is probably wholesale and, and just regular fix and flips and even a little bit of new construction now. Super. That's sort of it at the 30,000-foot view. Got it. I th what I liked about your story is it's kind of an example that there's really no such thing as good markets and bad markets. You can always make money in real estate. And, you know, even though the market crashed, your, your same principles and practices, I mean, are all almost identical. You just had to change, you know, 
a, a couple, a tweak a few things to make it work in the new market. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, back in the early 2000s, it was you could just sort of bank a lot of pre- you know, people's fat houses were always going to increase in value. And man, this is great. Let's get on the gravy train. And mm-hmm. reality sort of struck in 2007. And actually, I was sort of fortunate because you know, a lot of folks were left holding the bag in the mid 2000s where they bought a bunch of real estate. Now they were upside down. Mm-hmm. Where I was doing assignments, I wasn't really owning real estate initially. And so I was sort of able to capitalize. All these people around me are, are losing their shirts, and I, I didn't really have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until two, and then I, I got lucky because 2007 to 2012, 13, I mean, prices were so cheap that right. I was able to capitalize on that. The timing just really worked out for me. Right, right. Well, congratulations, bud, uh, for uh, figuring it out. So many people threw in the towel, quit, and said they'd never do real estate again. That's true. You that's know, true. Yeah, that's unfortunate that that's the lesson that people take when something doesn't work out. It, yeah. They seem to, you know, okay, let, let's start over with a new perspective in other things, but with real estate, it's like, oh my god, I'll never do that again. And I was like, why? Why are you going to stop now? Now, now you've got an education, and now you've got more experience. So next time, you're probably going to be better at it. You know, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But uh, super. So I can I would say up to this point. Um, what has real estate done for you and your life? What has it provided for you? Well, another good question. I mean, I'll be honest. For me, real estate has been so fulfilling. I mean, there's somebody that's an entrepreneur by, by nature mm-hmm. has a hard time plugging in in the corporate world, and that was me. I mean, I, I was there for five years and did well, but I just knew that it wasn't me. I needed to scratch that itch. And mm-hmm. so to leave my day job and get in full-time into real estate it's just been so fulfilling because I truly enjoy what I do. And then, of course, working for yourself, you know, I, I work from home, so I've got all the freedom and the flexibility in the world. I mean, as you know, my, my son was sick last year, and I was able to take a good chunk of time off. And how many jobs can you take four, five, six months off mm-hmm. and just not worry about it? I mean, I had so much freedom and flexibility, and I've built the business to the point now where it continues to turn. It's a machine that houses continue to get bought and houses continue to get sold. And I can run off to the beach for a week if I want to or <laughs> take care mm-hmm. of my son, mm-hmm. whatever I need to do. Um, and then, of course, you know, the financial benefit. I mean, having done as many deals as I've done over so many years, uh, obviously I've been able to build some wealth. I mean, mm-hmm. accrue some equity and put some cash flows in place that have, you know, that I would not have been able to do otherwise. Right, right. You know, I was putting, uh, or I, was, I didn't know if you were going to go there or not, but uh, I was kind of referring to the, to what it can provide you personally, you know, and you had a crisis uh, that you've been dealing with for over the last six months. And because of real estate and what real estate can do, you were able to deal with that crisis and still have your business to come back to. Yeah. When, and not, I guess I wouldn't say that every investor sets themselves up that way, but I was purposeful. I wanted to create a team where even if I wasn't in place, the machine continued to work. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the houses would continue to get bought and houses would continue to get sold with mm-hmm. little to no involvement of myself. Now, that's not that's not necessarily sustainable, something I would do long-term. I mean, I love the business. I want to be in the business. Mm-hmm. But when you want to step away or if you need to step away, if you set yourself up right, I mean, what a huge asset. Right. What an amazing lifestyle you could set yourself up for. Yep, yep. It's, it's just... 
It's unbelievable. I mean, just I just know what it has done for me. And and you know, you hear people, particularly my closer friends, they're like, Matt, you're always so focused on money, and you're always so driven, and you always just want to make more money, and da 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 da. Just like we live in a society where nothing replaces money in which the way it serves us. You know, it's true. And what real estate provides is such an amazing income potential. So. Yes, we make a lot of money and anyone that puts their, their nose to the grindstone and does the right activities, does those activities consistently and does them with persistence, will reap the benefits of that. And they can make a lot of money. But what's really most important is, you know, is the food we get to feed ourselves and our family, the shelter we put on our, over our heads, the clothes we put on our back and, and the hospital bills that we have to pay. And, right. you know, and then also the time freedom so we can tend to those things that are most important. So. Um, I think just, I, it's really still fresh on my mind. We just got back from our, our mastermind group and, you know, I haven't stopped thinking about, about your testimony of, of real estate. It's, it was tied very closely to something, you know, extremely important and something much more important than real estate and, and money. But, uh, I know there are people out there that just, they have issues and they, they think if I just had a few more bucks, I could tend to this or I could take care of my mom or I could, you know, I could, I could travel or whatever it may be. And that's just sure. what it's provided. And, you know, we talk a lot about tactics and strategies on this show, which we will in just a second. But, um, you know, there, there's a bigger picture at play. And I'm just an advocate for real estate. I know you are as well. And, uh, yeah. you know, you got to really testify here recently uh, on, on what it's done for you and what it was, uh, allowed you to do and how it helped your family. So, yeah, I want I people to, uh, yeah it, it touched me. And I actually, you know, I'm, I'm getting like just even goosebumps right now thinking about it. My hairs are standing up and... <laughs> Every time I do think about it, I, it happens. But um, anyway, okay, so let's get into uh, tactics and strategies. How do you find most of your deals? How do you find discounted properties, Ken? So that's changed. I mean, obviously, over the last so many years, our, our markets have changed. And I'm in Atlanta. And Atlanta, as a lot of folks will know, really, really evolved and changed a bunch over the last couple of years. You know, for a number of years, we were able to pick off the properties we wanted off the MLS. And then we sort of migrated to HUD Home Store, where we owned HUD Home Store. I mean, we had our system down flat, where we were buying a couple a week off of HUD. Uh-huh. And then, you know, in Atlanta, the hedge funds really descended on Atlanta and just started gobbling up all of our inventory. And so buying stuff off of HUD and buying stuff off of MLS became really hard for us. Mm-hmm. And so last year really was the first year that we really had to shift our focus and how we, and how we bought properties. And we shifted to the off-market model. <clears throat> and so that's here today, you know, a year later after shifting, that's really where, well, I'd tell you half of our properties are coming from stuff that we generate off-market. Mm-hmm. You know, a quarter is probably coming from bird dogs that are finding stuff for us off-market. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally we'll get, uh, we'll still pop a HUD or an REO here mm-hmm. and there. Uh, but you know, the majority is definitely off-market deals. Got it. So how are you finding those off-market deals? So we're finding them primarily with uh, postcard campaign. Okay. Um, we've got a couple of different lists that we mail to, <clears throat> and honestly, we, we we've tried a number of different things. We subscribe to different services, and even brought in VAs for a while to call and do. And honestly, at the end of the day, we kind of scrapped it all and just you know what, just this just works. It's just postcards, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's what we've been doing. It's kind of what we've stuck with. We'll probably start doing a couple new lists this year, and maybe try some different types of direct mail, <clears throat> um, the tear sheets that you might be familiar with right. and, and other types of, uh, of mailings. But honestly, for right now, postcards just work for us. Got it. 
So those postcards, there's a lot of different types you can send. Uh, are they like the spammy kind? Are they just speaking directly? Are they branded? What, what do your postcards look like that you're getting the best response from? Okay, so this is sort of interesting. We tried a couple different postcards. We tried the nice, slick look, um, you know, <clears throat> the ones where you've got the, the, the type, but it looks like you wrote on them, you hand wrote on them, marked some stuff out, and you put a personal message. Uh-huh. But honestly, what we're getting the best response on right now is handwritten postcards. Hmm. Postcards that look like we wrote it. Now, granted, I handwrite it and then send it to the printer, and they mass print them, but right. it still looks like somebody handwrote the, uh, the postcard. And honestly, our response rate has been highest Excuse with those. Okay. I mean, it's not slick. It's not fancy. It's black and white. It looks like somebody just scribbled with a Sharpie. Uh-huh. But for whatever reason, it's the phone ringing. Okay, so it's like a, it's like a thick font, like the, the Sharpie type look? Yep. I've seen those mm-hmm. before. Cool. Yep. We, we've used those yep. as well. Super. Super. Well, cool. So um, who are you sending those to? Who's, what's your favorite list? You know, right. Again, we're not all that creative. I mean, right now, it's absentee owners. Okay. That seems to be really productive for us. And, you know, it sort of depends on what you're looking for. And for us, I like the lower price product that cash flows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it fits well in our product and in our turnkey model. Mm-hmm. So for those types of houses, the absentee works well because most of those are investors. And so we get a lot of burned out investors. Got it. We've done some to some of, you know, some investors that are going through eviction. We've mailed to them. We've also done high equity. That's the other big list that we bought and we've mailed to. And we've done good with that as well. It's the different products. Most of the high equity homes that we're going to find, though, are, are more of your fix and flips because they're a little bit higher price point. Right. So for us, we sort of mail to the list based on the inventory we're looking for at the time. And most of the time, we're looking for rental investment type properties. Mm-hmm. And that's like, again, the absentee just seems to work for that. Great. So how many uh, postcards a month are you mailing? About ten thousand a month right now. Ten thousand. Uh, we've done thirty as high as thirty thousand. We've done as low as five thousand, but we average about ten thousand right now. Um, and, and honestly, it's just more because we're getting good response rates, mm-hmm. um, and because we've got good bird dogs too that are supplying us with inventory. That we're sort of for us, you know, an, an average year is about a hundred deals okay. that we buy and sell. The last three years in a row, we've averaged about a hundred, and so again, this year we'll probably beat a hundred. I, I, I sort of like that number. I don't have any felt need to go way above that number right um so for us that's sort of you know ten thousand a month seems to kind of keep us where we want to be great we might go a little higher we might start creeping up towards twenty thousand a month this year mm-hmm. um especially if we start wholesaling more which is kind of where we think we might be going we're putting some stuff in place to also increase our wholesales just because we get so much of a response from these postcards and i think as we get more into wholesaling we'll probably slowly creep up the number of postcards we're sending in a month right Got it. But yeah, that's sort of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on your postcard, you put a phone number or do you use a website? We put a phone. Well, we do both, actually. So we put a website in there. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean, honestly, not many people go to the site. It's a handful, you know, from every mailing will. But for the most part, it's it's postcard and a, and a phone number. Okay. And the phone number, for now, we've got, I know this is probably your follow-up question, it goes to Ring Central. Okay, Ring Central. Instead of live. And we've, I know, you know, folks debate this back and forth, whether you need somebody right. live to pick up or not. And, you know, for now, it just, Ring Central works. I mean, mm-hmm. I like getting the message. I like feeling like we have a little bit more control over our schedule and our day mm-hmm. when we're going to get back to them. And I don't, I, you know, we maybe we lose a deal here or there. It doesn't really feel like it, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like we get back in touch with the majority of the people that call us. Got it. And then, you know, then you can sort of dictate the, your schedule when you're going to call them and, 
Mm-hmm. And you can even do a little research up front, which is nice. So, you know, our folk, our screener, maybe researches the house really quick before they put the call back into the person and, right. you know, and, and kind of knows where they're coming from. Perfect. Perfect. So that's worked well for us. Okay. And then when, when you call the people back and you talk to them, how do you determine whether you send them an offer or not? You know, I'll be honest. We're, we're, we, uh, you and I both know a lot of guys who send offers on everything. Right. And I kind of wish that we – that's one of the things I'm trying to implement is to get more offers out the door because I really do believe that the more offers you have sitting in, some, in, in people's mailboxes, the more chance that those deals will come back to you, even if they seem cold now. Right, indeed. You know, but for for us right now, kind of where we're at, we we really just talk to them, you know, figure out how hot the deal is. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a field guy that'll go out there and look at the property, assess it, and um, really, it's more just having a rapport with the person to to see if we're on the same page or not. You know, if we're close, mm-hmm. you know, if we're within ten, fifteen thousand dollars of what they're telling us, mm-hmm. we'll send them an offer. If they're really cold, you know, we're not anywhere near their price. Honestly, right now, we're not we're not sending them offers. Um, not to say that we won't go back into our database at some point in the future and do that. I kind of, I kind of see us probably doing that. Right. Um, but I do think it's a good practice, and it is something we're trying to work towards. Yeah. Getting more offers out the door. Yeah, we keep expanding our our category of who gets an offer. Yeah. Um, it was suspects and prospects would always get an offer, and we're continuing that. But now, if they say take me off the list, we're st- we're sending them an offer too. Yeah, we just started that last month. So I'm just, oh, I mean, I think what you just said, you know, there, there's a direct proportion to the deals that you do to the numbers of offers that you have sitting in people's mailboxes. Yeah. And just because it's a no today doesn't mean it's a no tomorrow. And, you know, even six months down the road, I remember when we were really aggressive, Mercedes and I were really aggressive on short sales, I think 2011, 2012. And yeah. we'd send out yellow letters and we'd get calls back eight months later from those yellow letters. And so I'm going to wow. go ahead and put the same principle to place with the actual offers. Yeah. Well, you know, we do put, we try to get emails on everybody and we put them all into a drip campaign. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a one-year drip campaign. And it is interesting how six, seven, eight months down the road, somebody will respond to the drip just mm-hmm. sort of randomly. Mm-hmm. It's an hour, literally every day, I've got somebody responding to one of our drips. Right. And so, you know, they sort of reactivate. So there is something to be said about getting, you know, staying in front of people and having an offer that they can hold on to and think about it for, even if it's for months at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So how many calls would you say you get uh, before you get an offer from your direct mail stuff? Uh, right now we're at about 50. About 50? So 50 okay. phone calls, yeah. We just dropped one last month. We got a, we actually had a really good response ratio. The last, we had about 2.5% response rate on the one we dropped last month to an absentee owner list. Mm-hmm. And I think we pulled down about five. Now, you know, honestly, our average is a little bit skewed because at the end of last year, um, we actually, one purchase, we picked up 45 properties mm. off of one guy. <laughs> so it was one mailing. It was one of those deals where it was, a, it was some sons that had inherited a portfolio from their father. Mm-hmm. And it was just a fire sale. They didn't want it. They didn't want to hassle with it. They just wanted to unload it. And it was 30 houses, 31 houses and 15 lots. Mm-hmm. We picked it up for three hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Which is it's ridiculous. It was so cheap. Mm-hmm. So you know we've got this spreadsheet that outlines you know how many calls and, and how many purchases we get, and so we got this one month that just completely you know skewed the average. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> thirty houses on one mailing. It's the magic mailing piece. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, it happens. So, but you got to be there for it to happen. And and one That's thing right. I'm thinking about right now is, 
Um, I don't know if you've seen the same stuff, but uh, I, there was a, a guy on the front of a, a Florida newspaper, I think last month, there was, he was an absentee owner, and he was holding up, fanned like a deck of cards, all these postcards he had received in the mail. Oh, wow. So yeah. absentee owners, are they're getting bludgeoned to death with these uh, postcards. And, I, you know, I'm a coach, and I have a lot of students, and some of them are doing really well. It's right, almost right down the middle, 50 percent are doing really well and haven't noticed anything and then other 50 percent are kind of getting you know uh the, the response from their mailing is me- not meeting their expectations um mm-hmm. what would your advice be to someone like that like have you noticed that at all in your business or in, and are you responding to that you know I, it sort of depends on the list i know with the absentee owners we, we get a much better response than we do with the high equity mm-hmm. well and the other thing is the area so there's certain areas in Atlanta, like the more affluent areas, mm-hmm. I've, I've mailed absentee and just completely bombed. Right. Because they're just in more affluent areas. You're not going to have a whole lot of absentee owners. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I'm, I sort of know the areas to target. Areas that are high rentals, high investor activity, you know, when you mail there, then you get a really good response on your absentee owners. Right. Same thing with high equity. I mean, the high equity list is going to make more sense in certain areas than other areas. So we've had to adjust and just sort of use some logic. Okay, this list in this area makes more sense than maybe a different area. Mm-hmm. And um, and so in that regard, yes, we've adjusted um, just you know where we're mailing to, and I've, I've found that to work. Well, the other thing I would say too is where you know where are your folks getting their list? Right. You know, it's possible that some of the list providers might be providing that same list to all of your competitors. Mm-hmm. I'd tell you maybe to do a little digging and see if you couldn't find somewhere else to find maybe a different list or a fresher list, a list that your competition's not using. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one or two, maybe even three sources online that pretty much everybody uses. And if you can find one of those outside services, one of those smaller companies, you know, you might be mailing to people that um, that no one else is mailing to. Yeah, right. Definitely. Well, and then... And then also, you know, some of the maybe the more the fresh dynamic lists like probate and short sales, because those are all recent activity. If the probate maybe just happened a month ago, right? Or you know, somebody just hit the pre foreclosure list. You know, those are fresher lists, right. or maybe your absentees get stale after a little while. Got it. Got it. Well, it sounds like everything is going really well in in your business, Ken. And I'm not surprised because you're a sharp guy. Uh, what would you say is the biggest challenge in your business, and what are you doing about it? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I would I'm loaded say, with great questions, Ken. You're loaded with great questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wish you'd give me these questions beforehand. I could have thought about them. <laughs> um, for us, it, the, the market changes very quickly. And, and that's just been real estate in general. Even, you know, through the last so many years, it seems like every year something happens. There's a change in the in like the lending guidelines that throws things in a tizzy, or now there's a change in the inventory, or now prices are up. So every year things are changing. And so as a business... You know, we have to change with that. We have to be mobile and adaptive. And so even internally for us, one of our struggles is because we're big, there's like, there's, you know, 10 people and we do 100 deals a, a year. We, it's easy to get set in our ways and not become as nimble as we need to be to change with the, with the times. Mm-hmm. And so for us, restructuring internally is, is taking a little bit of time and effort. Mm-hmm. You know, reshuffling, maybe you work. I had a general manager who spent most of his time in the field and I had to bring him in and now he's had to kind of learn this whole off-market acquisition model and how to staff him up. And so for us, staffing the right people and moving people around into the right positions as the market changes around us mm-hmm. has been a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. 
but we've been able to do it. I mean, it's, part of it's just trial and error. Right. You know, as, you, as you move people, and if they're not productive, move them to the right positions. And we've had people that had to had to, had to quit, so you have to come bring somebody else in and train them, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. staffing and making sure you got the right people in the right positions, doing the right jobs, and and training new people as they come on board. It just occupies a lot of our time. Right. I like hearing your response because people frequently ask us, because, you know, we're we're in the turnkey business as well, and we work together uh, quite a bit. Actually, recently we worked together quite a bit. Um, but people ask, how do you find good property management? It's just like you kind of have to work with the wrong ones long enough to, to figure out, <laughs> to, to find the right ones. Yeah. And that goes absolutely. the same with staff as well. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So uh, what's going on in your world right now? What What are you excited about for your future? I'm excited about figuring out the off-market thing even more. Mm Because, you know, you're always fine-tuning your business. And for us, I still feel like we're just scraping the surface Mm -hmm. in terms of doing it well. Mm -hmm. And so bringing on new lists, staffing up, getting our response rate up, getting our close ratio up, that's really for us the big challenge right now is, you know, how can we close more? How can we get more offers out? How can we hit new, fresh lists? Mm-hmm. and get deeper and better deals. That's the thing. There, there's deals out there to be had. The question is, how deep are they? Right. You know, I want to get better deals with a, with a higher profit margin. Right, right. And the other thing that we're doing that's actually pretty exciting is I actually hired a, a, a full-time builder to work with us about a year ago. And so we've got a handful of new construction product projects going on. We've done a little development down the street from our office. And uh, because Atlanta is hot right now with new construction, it's, there's, a, there's some money to be made. In new construction. I actually, I actually believe it or not, I'm a licensed contractor. I got licensed back in 2010, mm-hmm. and so now to be able to use that and pull permits on my license, and I've just always enjoyed being around new construction. So have an opportunity to do that that's very fulfilling. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I know you've got a new project you're working on. You want to tell us about that? I do. Yes. It's funny, we're talking real estate, I completely forgot about it. Well, I know, I was trying to throw you a softball you're, a little earlier know, to go into help. it, and we we're so focused. That, that's what I like about you. You're a really genuine guy. I know. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so the, the other big project I've got that's occupied a good chunk of my time is a new podcast that I'm watching mm-hmm. called Deal Farm, and uh, you can find it on iTunes. Also, the website is dealfarm.net. But I, you know, I'm one of those guys who love podcasts. I love good content, but I'm so busy. I have so little time to devote to podcasts that I, I figured, hey, why don't I put out a podcast that's kind of short and to the point, mm-hmm. almost like sound bites. So this podcast, Deal Farm, is about 10 to 15 minutes long. We'll drop about two a week, and they'll just be in and out. You, you may know that I've been blogging with Bigger Pockets for the last several years. Right. And I really, I, honestly, I really enjoy blogging and, and delving into different types of content. And I figured, you know, there's got to be a way to repurpose this content. I'm spending the time to put it into a blog and research a, a specific talk, a topic. You know, I should talk about it on a podcast. So mm-hmm. a lot of my podcast episodes are going to be really just mirrors of what I'm putting out there on Bigger Pockets on their blog. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of the episodes are what we call our best deal ever episodes, where we interview guys like you, Matt, mm-hmm. who tell us their best deal ever. Which, for me, when I was starting out, there was nothing more exciting than listening to an experienced investor tell me about their best deal or just talk about deals that they were doing. Right. And to, to dream about, hey, one day that's going to be me doing those types of deals. Mm-hmm. So 
I think it's fun and it's interesting and it's inspiring to hear you know other guys, other full time real estate investors talk about the cool and interesting deals that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, about half of half of our episodes are going to be these best deal ever episodes. I like that approach because so many investors, or I would say want to be investors, uh, are so quick to tell you about their terrible experiences. And, True. Uh, you know, it's and it's sad that 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 gets the most volume, that that gets heard most frequently. And, you know, when you I look at my business, yeah, I've got horror stories. But that's, you know, it's two, three, four percent. I got 96 percent of great stories that, yeah. that were actually worked out. Imagine that. <laughs> like it actually yeah. worked, you know, but everyone that's just loves right. to tell those bad stories. So I love that you're bringing a, a positive twist. And uh, like I said earlier, then I know you're an advocate of real estate because of what it's done for you. And, and I as well. I'd love to dispel the myths. And I think this is a great step towards it. And um yeah, so let's let's stay in touch. Let's work together on this. At Deal Farm, is it up already? It is. It's in fact okay. just an hour before you and I got on the phone. Uh, iTunes sent me the email saying that it's approved. Oh no, get you. Okay. So yeah. It's, well, congratulations. It's well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go subscribe, and I want okay. everyone listening. I'm gonna ask them to go subscribe. I'm gonna ask them to leave you a nice review because we know that the first sixty days of a podcast are the most critical, and uh, that's where you get to really get where iTunes gives you some favor and getting exposure. And I know subscriptions and downloads and reviews, that all helps in that, increase your exposure. And and Ken is one of the good guys. Check out his podcast, Deal Farm. Go support. Um, and that's it. Any final words, Ken? Matt, man, I just appreciate your friendship. I appreciate you having me on the show. And yeah, any, any chance to download our podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, will do. We'll send the Epic family over there. Awesome. Matt, thanks so much for having me. You bet. Talk to you soon, bud. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. I'll be back in 30 seconds right after this. Alert! Alert! Real estate investors, listen carefully. A closely guarded secret reveals that closely guarded secrets aren't really that closely guarded. (laughs) Seriously. Go to findmotivatedsellersasap.com to get the inside scoop on how the nation's most successful real estate investors really find their deeply discounted properties. Go to findmotivatedsellersasap.com. Deeper discounts, less secrets. Findmotivatedsellersasap.com. See you next week or catch me tomorrow on my other podcast, a brand new episode of Turnkey Real Estate Investing. Real estate investing for busy people. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.